am I the co-host or are you the co-host? I think we're both the co-hosts. This is the real host. That's true. It's the pod. It doesn't talk. It just kind of grins at you. Yeah, he's smiling. He's in the middle. Uh, welcome back to the pod. Agreed. So another week, another set of Yu-Gi-Oh news. I know somebody commented that we always start with the same like. Uh, it's a really slow week in Yu-Gi-Oh. And then and then we talk about Yu-Gi-Oh. And then we end up talking about it for a while. Forty minutes. Well, this isn't exactly a slow week. There's been a few different things. But I feel like a lot of them are small. Yeah, they're they're small things that maybe add up to some big things. I feel like we should start with the TCG and then uh, work our work way, our way down. from there. Since, you know, TCG is like the main thing. Okay, so I think the big thing uh, was that these tins, these, the tin of the dueling, dueling heroes. heroes yeah. Uh, so, so much and yet maybe so little to say about these. There are world premieres. Yeah, so these are tins. They're coming out um, next week. And they... Have some world premiere cards. They've got some reprints. Um, you know, there's some quarter century secret rare cards in this. Which ones are promos? I never actually understood what are promo cards. So in these. my understanding is that the promos are basically all those like ace cards, all the like you know odd eyes, pendulum dragon, neos, and those Cyber come dragon, in twenty fifth anniversary, right? Yeah, 20, those twenty fifth yeah. foiling. Yeah, you get one of them per ten, and it's in twenty fifth. Okay. you know quarter century secret rare. Foiling already off the bat, um, there was like a weird thing because the red eyes black dragon art on the tin itself does not match the art that was seemingly pulled by one of the content creators who did their like early openings. Yeah, that kind of got my wires crossed because I have the 25th anniversary from the um, the anniversary collection from the collection, collection. which is that kind of uh, dark red eyes art that I don't like as much as the original. Yeah, and yet on the tin, it shows that same one, but then the one that Cyber Knight, I believe, is the guy who pulled it, on his uh, video... It's Starter Deck Red It's like the Starter Deck Red Eyes. Superior. I don't know what that's about. Um, Someone in marketing needs to be Someone kind of in production maybe messed up. I mean, like, my suspicion is that maybe these were just made so long ago that they... They didn't even know which one they were using. They just got mixed up. Um, I will say about, like, those promo things... Do you ever feel like they kind of overdo it a bit with, like, these just reprinting these ace monsters and stuff so, so much? I mean, I feel like it's overdone, but it's purely in my own self-interest kind of way. I feel like they're overdone because I want three 25th century uh, Neoses, and there's way too many cards that I can get instead of Neos. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't dislike um, the idea of doing promos like this. I just think that people would probably—do you remember the 2019 10s? Nibiru, Dark Ruler, No More. Dimension How could Shifter. I forget? We 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 did the world premiere for those cards. Yeah, that was really awesome. Um, I feel like we need to like kind of get back to promos like that. But I guess maybe there's like a certain pressure to releasing heavily meta impact cards every year. Like maybe they just can't do that. Maybe there's some like weird rule in like card game design that you can't do that. Yeah, I think that they really, I mean, just something that's a little bit better than just the, like another Dark Magician. Like, come on. I mean, I feel and like. That, we're not even done talking about Dark Magician in this podcast. We're not? Yeah, because there's another. Oh, oh, yeah, you're right. But anyway. Right. I mean, I feel like we're start, we're running out of ways to print this guy. I mean, like, we've invented a new rarity. He's immediately <laughs> available in that rarity. And then I remember we got the guy, uh, Dark Magician fusion thing. Yeah, that came out this year. And it's like, okay, so like, what else can we do with him? He's fused with everything. Yeah, and like, I, it just, it's just the same, like, anyway. 
Okay, well, those are the promo cards you can get. Now, as for what's actually in the tin, the reprints and all that, mm-hmm. um, that's all been revealed. I know it was like leaked a while back um, before, but um, yeah. So the reprints in this tin are a little bizarre. I think to set the stage, though, I have to first say that this tin is almost certainly going to either be followed by or follow a ban list, right? Oh, like, yeah. I mean, that's either going to be like a, probably a ban list next week, right before they drop, or like a week or two after they drop. And so that always kind of makes these tins a little bit of a complicated value proposition because what they're reprinting are all the things from the past year. But typically we pull them anyway because they're great staples and whatnot from the past year that, you know, we don't really have. And that, I think, is where these tins are missing. Like, they don't actually have any staple cards in them, really. Not many. Like, uh, I didn't see... Because I think mean, Triple Tactics Thrust came out this year at the very beginning of this year. So technically it couldn't have been in those tins. Oh. There's just not, I mean, I think maybe what it really says Divin is. Incarnate. I don't even think she's in there, actually. Okay, what is in the yeah, tin? Yeah, I think that, that, was a, that was a thing I saw is I don't really know, like, what the staples in this tin are supposed to be. And so it sort of feels like you're only really getting these tins to get the specific archetypes. And as far as the archetypes go, it's a tricky proposition because, like, they put almost all the Kashdira cards that are in this tin mm-hmm. are secret rares. So they got like upgraded to secret rare. There's like a secret rare Fin rare, secret rare, um, you know, unicorn birth. Uh, I think even ogre. But they're almost assuredly going to get hit. Yeah, but we almost can be certain, right? Like that's going to get hit. So like, how much? It, so is it, you know, is that like a good buy? And then um, the same kind of goes. Like some branded stuff got rarity bumps. A funny story, Branded Expulsion is in this set, in this tin, despite being banned. Well, when they decided to put it in the tin, they probably hadn't banned it yet. It it This plus that Red Eyes issue actually makes me think that these tins were, like, around, like, six months ago. Like, they had been designed and, like, printed and everything and just finalized, and they just didn't know that. Or maybe they're going to unban uh, Branded Expulsion. Is this I don't a know. banless prediction video? It's turning into one. So, yeah, I think that these tins this year kind of feel like a bit of a a little bit of a letdown. I don't think that they're bad. I was hoping for more rarity upgrades for Dogmatica. Myself, personally, I like the deck. And you're, like, one of the four players of yeah. Dogmatica. And they didn't rarity upgrade it. They rarity upgraded Dogmatica Macabre from a common to a rare. So it did get a rarity bump. Yeah, I know. I'm complaining too much. <laughs> I, I, I'm ungrateful. You got a few good ones, though, because uh, you can pick up some actually i don't think the ninjas really got upgrades but um the draco slayers and the what was the other one the other deck that you played adventure Uh, token i know you're adventure what 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 did they print for adventure at this they they printed a lot of them in secret rare i don't want them so i also don't want upgrades for uh, any of those decks so not the product for you yeah not really i want neos hey you'll have to just open a lot of tens and maybe you'll get three of them I don't know what I'm going to do with the cards, though. That's going to be the... How much are these? T- I think these tins are like $22.99 now or $21.99, $22.99. I need to check the price. Uh, you know, guys, I've never been a proponent of, like, just buy singles, but, man. I mean... Because the only thing I want from the tin is the Quarter Century Neos, and typically tin promos bottom out in price, like, pretty bad. So you get, yeah, three mm. mega packs, and you get your promo... I'm not going to say it's not worth it. I'm going to say, though, that like this is probably going to be one of those ones where the pool of cards is so big that when you open your tins, you probably will not be getting... 
Like you don't have a great chance of just getting what you want. But what is it that we want? And for any, well, for any given person, it's like their one archetype that they maybe are looking for rarity upgrades for. So if you're one of the people who wants those rarity upgrades for like Draco Slayers or Adventure Token or Caster, I bless your heart, um, you know, or there's a few others, then yeah, like it's cool. Although it really does feel like maybe more of a buy singles type of tin. Oh, I do want the world premieres though. We haven't talked about those. That's true. Yeah, what's that about? I know uh, you. There's the Noble Knight Field spell, uh, Camelot, mm-hmm. whose effect I don't actually recall, but I did like what I saw. I did when I did read, I did like it. I don't recall it, but I liked it. Hey, look, I don't remember most things. You leave me alone. Y'all leave me alone too. All right. Um, yeah, there was Camelot. Then there was the the was Spiral a, Double Agent. Yeah, that one was cool. So I think aesthetically, he's supposed to be. What's the name of the big guy? Sleeper? Yeah, like Sleeper. Sleeper, maybe when Sleeper was like much younger. Because uh, I think in the lore of Spiral, you kind of see it in that one uh, Spiral Link monster with the, with the two guys on Yeah, it. Double Helix. That, yeah, on Double Helix that they used that he was, Sleeper was a Spiral agent. So I think I think that was, that is him. And I, I, I was like, hey, I bet he summons your opponent's side of the field and that's exactly what he does. He, is he the best spiral card in the world? No, that card is Master Plan, who needs to come back. But my assumption is maybe they'll bring her back since like they're releasing a spiral card just for just to one. Yeah, That's all I ask just to one. I I'll think play spiral if you give me one bad. beehive lady. And then yeah. the last card in the set, the which time is thief. Yes, the time thief trap, which at which on first view is underwhelming, but. On second, on view. second view, you're like, well, it's kind of a perfect spiral card, honestly. You mean time thief card? I get for some reasons time thief and spiral gets mixed up in my head. They some of their aesthetics like the are similar. Vibe. I don't know. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's kind of the perfect time thief card. I mean, you want traps underneath your Xyz monster. That's it, it. That gives him the the effect to remove something off the board as a quick effect. So that's great. But at the same time, there weren't many great traps to be running. But also, this card is a one-card Xyz play when you actually can use it. This downside is on turn one, you have to set it, and you have to survive. Then on your next turn, you can use it to make a new monster. Yeah, it runs into that Yu-Gi-Oh problem of, like, traps being so promising, but then just being slow and, like... But it does have an effect in Grave, which gives you an extra removal on your opponent's turn. Yeah, I can banish something, I believe? Yeah. That's it does not really come cool. back. It just vanished. It's gone now. It's a really cool thing. Like so, I really like this trap. It is. It's like a, it's a perfect time thief card, but it isn't going. But it's not the the time thief card that makes them meta all of a sudden, right? It just makes them yeah. a little bit better. A little more fun to play. I mean, I think that these are. If you're interested in these decks, these are fun things to mess around with. I know a lot of people have been saying that they're underwhelming, and like I, mean, I guess true they are. I mean, but. I think if you're like kind of a you just play these decks for fun or you know it's it's kind of sad it's a, almost any support for any archetype kind of has to be underwhelming because there's only one thing we really want we want support that takes our deck up a tier that's what we want yeah and the way card games work they, they can't do that they can't just keep giving us support for archetypes that immediately make them meta because then that breaks down the structure of a metagame. I mean, yeah, I would say, like, it, it does give me a sense of melancholy because it means that when cards like this are revealed, even if they're fun, they will be seen as garbage because 
at the end of the yeah. day, like you said, if if it's not like a more extreme version of what you just said would probably be what people truly want for time thieves is some one card combo starter. Like yeah. that's what almost every deck kind of wants is like this one card where like when it's normal or special summoned, you add one to your hand, send one to the grave, and then get like a free mm-hmm. this, yeah. and, and it just and it kind of does everything, and then when it's in the grave, you can banish it to like summon another from your deck because like every because that's the standard in Yu-Gi-Oh is like that your you know it's like your deck kind of has to like do everything. It can't be a trap off the bat, right? Because that's too slow. It can't be anything that's kind of like recycly or just protection it's got to be like it's gotta be something proactive. immediately usable on the first turn and it's a benefit if it can be used later in the game too but the more useful a card is on turn one the better we view it as because that's kind of the most important turn in Yu-Gi-Oh. yeah and so i was actually i made a video about that earlier this week on amplifier mm-hmm. i don't know you guys have seen it um Check it out. Saying, we'll link it or something that yeah that's the same like issue that like i have with a lot of sets where the support will be cool but like these decks don't have a place where they can be consistently like, like where they can be comfortably played Mm -hmm. because the thing is that time thief trap should be really interesting. But the thing is like time thief already is not, you know, a top tier deck or even by most means, it's not even really like a rogue deck. Hey, Hey, but, but Mm -hmm. their Xyz monster has been in topping decks. Yeah, it's, it's time thief tr elements <laughs> um, like, but he's found his way into some decks but yeah so i mean what ends up kind of happening is like t- there would be no reason to run time thieves and so as a result redoer his name had escaped me yeah and so as a result people just see new time thief support and they're like ah this is this sucks but like maybe if there was a format where people could play low power decks where getting to the second turn wasn't such a like big issue right. I, I feel like we're getting back into a conversation that we continuously have. Mm. And I'm going to support that by bringing in one of my uh, recent favorite decks, uh, Evil Tiles. I love the new Evil support that we got in Duelist Nexus. And um, it's a lot of the same problem, right? Yeah. It doesn't make them good. The it support just, just made cool. them like just made better. them a little bit more modern, made them a little bit better. Yeah, so it would be nice, Konami, if maybe there was a place where, you know, the standard was not make huge board of Opelosa, Barone, and, like, two, three other interruptions all in one turn. and maybe Or set up, you know, two floodgates two, like, two, and two other traps. and Yeah, maybe something where, like, getting to turn three or four or five was, like, doable. So now when you release traps, they can be seen as decent. I'm going to digress from this argument because you guys have heard enough out of me about it. It might continue <laughs> later on. Who knows? But those are the tens. Yeah. Um, are they worth it? I'm not, I'm gonna say probably not. I mean, not to say you shouldn't maybe pick one up just for fun or something like that. that We're just know. saying maybe it's not the product to be buying like a case of. Yeah, I don't think I would be buying like a load of it. Have have a little bit of fun, see what you get, whatever. But like, there really does not seem to be like a big chase, a specific chase card. So. It, it it feels weird that we've we have this kind of trend going of kind of underwhelming products. Yeah, I know we've talked about it before, but now we're adding the tin to that. It like, does suck that it, well. it's coming at the worst possible time. Like when the conversation is already not great right now around like products yeah. and Yu Gi Oh, and now we get these announcements of these tins, and like 
they're underwhelming too and it's just like man come on it because it, it also means that like more and more pressure is slowly being put on like that rarity collection mm-hmm. and like age of overlord to kind of like swoop in at the end of the year and like save, save the day when does the uh two player uh starter set come out because i know that one has anticipation as well so the two player deck i think is sometime in october like early october so I'm now we're looking thinking. at you too so I'm interested in that. that gives us Zeus. I'm interested in, I know that Age of Overlord is like towards the end of October, and then Rarity Collection, I think, is November. So, so guys, fall, Yu-Gi-Oh! will be saved. Late fall. That's right. Mark your calendars. Yu-Gi-Oh! will definitely be saved. Mm-hmm. We can put all the pressures on these products to perform. We're going to put a cape on Konami's back in the fall, or at late fall. So um, outside of card game products, there are a couple of others. So first, there's the Merrick Millennium Rod. Oh yeah, by Bandai. It's uh, in the same vein as that uh, Millennium Puzzle that well that was announced a few months ago. Yeah, they're making the Merrick Millennium Rod. I think in typical Bandai fashion, the build quality will probably be great. At least the images look look amazing. Yeah, that actually reminds me, we did a live stream over on the main channel where we put together the Exodia, um, like model plastic model kit thing. Yeah, the uh, figureized standard amplified yeah. Exodia Incarnate. Shout out to everybody who tuned in in the stream. It was a kind of a kind of mellow one. It had on. to be. We were just fit. we were just like kind of messing around with little plastic pieces the whole time. It did turn out looking good. Yeah, it's actually a great looking model, and uh, I've decided that I'm going to go back and like do some panel lining on it. See if I can like spruce it up a bit. Yeah, really good thing. It only costs about fifty bucks if you get it in Japan, like I did. If you get it on like say eBay, you might be paying closer to a hundred. Although I will say that I think for what you get, it's a pretty nice product like it's fun to build looks good uh if i had to compare it to a type of model kit um like if if for the for like gunpla builders out there this model reminded me of a like a scale one 100 high grade model kit so you guys might be familiar with high grades they're one over 144 they're usually small but for the iron-blooded orphans gunpla release they did one over 100 high grade where it's about the same level of detail which isn't like amazing but they're just they're larger to that to that uh to that um master grade scaling Mm -hmm. but uh this one's really nice because especially in the upper body of exodia there's actually quite a bit of detail Mm -hmm. and uh it looks better than a high grade kit not quite master grade but it looks better than a high grade it's also posable which is very cool yeah i uh, like that Lots of uh, pie caps. It has lots of flexibility. Though yeah. one of its shoulders, we didn't. Uh, I'm probably don't like. We didn't build it. We didn't do a great. We're doing it on camera, it. guys. So I, we we didn't like yeah. do everything you well, normally do. Took a couple do. hours to make, though. I would definitely say like build it. It is a good like experience as a Yu-Gi-Oh player. I know that when we put together the Millennium Puzzle, I also really enjoyed that. As difficult as it was, I don't know. I feel like around hour six, I was over it. That, yeah, the, the Millennium <laughs> Puzzle took a bit. But I will say this. It was a good thing. I would suggest getting it, unlike perhaps another product. Um, so another product might or might not be the new Platinum Dark Magician, um, like Dark Magician, whatever whatever the, the thing they, they call it, the D- Platinum Collection series. They announced a Platinum Dark Magician. And so I have to like give a disclaimer right off the bat so I we did do a Konami sponsored like not we plug well I wasn't I didn't participate you shot the video you held the camera oh I sure did did yeah you? we um, all right we did do that <laughs> yeah we're uh, it's on like Facebook Instagram where we're just kind of like telling people hey here's what the product is you can go and buy it 
I was very careful in my wording of that though, because I have kind of mixed personal views on this product. They're not all good. Um, it's $1,300 for this sort of silver platinum looking. Yeah. I want one. Oh, here, you can have one. You can have the one that Konami gave us for five minutes Where? to record and then oh. took back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we, we never get the we never get the expensive stuff for free. Yeah. Uh, you don't get much for free, to be honest. But um We got a box once. Yeah, that's true. Konami has sent a box and we should be grateful. Yeah, okay, so the Platinum Dark Magician, it's like the Platinum Blue Eyes that they released a few years back, uh, during quarantine or whatever. This time it's thirteen hundred dollars instead of one thousand dollars. For this sort of brushed aluminum finish, whatever, brushed silver finish, whatever they call it. Is Dark Magician worth $300 more than Blue Eyes? I mean, I suppose their excuse would be that it's adjusted for inflation, but I don't think I How much could inflation have changed between this year and last year? Well, actually a lot, as we know, but... Oh, well, maybe so. But that said, okay, so I've got... Here's where my complaints with this product come in. But first, I'll say the good. The good is that as a product for a collector of a certain kind, this is probably pretty cool, Right. There is a certain type of Yu-Gi-Oh collector who will would like this. They're in the market for it. They're only making a thousand of them. And for some people, the more expensive the product, the better. Yeah. So you know, like it, there, it's certainly a way to show your love for Dark Magician or Yu-Gi-Oh or all that great stuff. However, I think that the price is just too high. I, I, I really, I mean, I already don't know that I see a lot of value in the product itself. Like, I think that there are things that you can get, like the Merrick Millennium Rod, that are, like, going to be, like, 60 bucks or whatever, that are actually more meaningful to a Yu-Gi-Oh! fan. Or, you know, build the Exodia thing and have a little experience, like, putting together a model kit mm-hmm. and paying, like, 50, 60 bucks for that, right? Or the Millennium Puzzle or just other things. These, I guess you can display them, these Platinum cards. I mean, that's, like, where it ends. I just, I don't know that they're really great value for anybody like if you have a lot of money to burn i'm sure it looks cool like i mean i got to hold one it's it's got the weight it's got the heft the, the finish is nice but like uh, and i and and paul what is your experience with collecting like memorabilia of like of this nature so as for me, when it comes to, like, you know, getting Yu-Gi-Oh kind of stuff, and, and I get stuff for other things I like, too. I've gotten, like, a lot of first four figures Yu-Gi-Oh things. I also have, a, like, a Sonic one, like, the sort of statue dioramas. So what makes this different from those? What I don't like about this and what I think makes this different is that it kind of feels like it's more so forced scarcity. And it's, there, you know, it's hard to put into words, but I think that with card game memorabilia... um. I don't know that I would want a platinum version of a card that I can't like play and that it's just kind of plaqued and it's not the real card. It's just a platinum rendition of the something about it feels like it doesn't hit with me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I don't I just I don't think that I would really want these for my collection. The stuff that I'm more like this, right? This thing, this is like more fun Yu-Gi-Oh memorabilia for me to collect. It's this is a dragon capture jar. It's a rabbit, right? There's a rescue rabbit. There are monsters and cards and stuff that are used and ha- or like have like kind of a history. And they're physical things you can hold that are like in the form of, you know what I mean? Like it's a, a plush rescue rabbit. It's like a you know we've got the pod of greed. These platinum things. Uh, I mean, I mean I'm not the uh, the biggest fan of the of this product personally myself, only because. 
I feel that as a Yu-Gi-Oh player, any card that I have a strong attachment to that I want to collect in some way, I'll just kind of get the card. Especially in the case of Dark Magician, where there are there are some very valuable high rarity versions of this card, and they'll they'll still cost you less than thirteen hundred. Yeah, I mean, and the thing is too, at thirteen hundred dollars, if you're a fan of Dark Magician, put that money towards a DDS one or something. Yeah, I mean, like buy, buy like a Dark Duel Stories Dark Magician or an LOB First Dark Magician. Like if you have, you know, I'm not saying actually go. Yeah, out yeah, buy, yeah go, like, we're not saying go do that. You're now. the type of person who's got so much money that's burning a hole in your pocket, and you are, you know, you've got thirteen hundred dollars to just drop on this platinum thing. I think you would be better served getting one of the, you know the rarer old Dark Magicians and getting that graded. Now, if you have that. a Dark Magician collection and you already have your DDS. Then this is kind of like the piece that is existence, right? Of your collection, it right? It all like, and all that. Because you know there are like those types of collectors who buy like every single copy of said thing. There's someone out there who has every Dark Magician ever printed mm-hmm. and every Dark Magician toy, plush, model kit, or whatever. And so this is the perfect piece for their collection. And I'm sure it was the same way for the uh, Blue Eyes as well. I think the Blue Eyes was a little bit more popular. Or I, I don't know how popular this will or won't be. It's not out yet, but I think with the blue eyes, it. I know there's a lot of hype for it. I have not seen the same level of hype for this since the announcement, like dropped this morning, at least at the time of us recording. A lot of people seem like they just kind of feel like it's not worth it. So I mean, the blue but eyes does have the, like some advantage over Dark Magician as far as popularity goes. Yeah, it's the Charizard of Yu-Gi-Oh. So. Yeah. I will say, I mean, you know, the people complaining maybe on, like, the internet about, like, this overpriced thing probably aren't the people that are going to buy it anyway. So maybe the, the true value will be appreciated by... Yeah, by the collectors. Know, by the by collectors the, like, or something. Because, I mean, Konami didn't make this product willy-nilly. They didn't make it thinking that, you know, Joe Blow at the card shop was going to buy it. They already know. They have a good idea of who's <laughs> going to buy this product already. Joe Blow. Those people are going to buy it. And Konami will make the money that they expect to make off of it more than likely. That's why it's a limited release. They're not pump, they're not pumping out you know a half a million of these things. You said there's only a thousand, right? Yeah, that's what they're saying. So that's and at that thousand, they expect to sell that, and they probably will. Yeah. So I mean, you know, it's a thing. It's out. I'm not sure that I would really recommend it to anybody except the if this you'll know if this product is for you. Yeah, I think is the best way to put it. You'll know. If this product is for you, it pro- the, the statistically it probably isn't. <laughs> like, um, just don't feel that. What is it? FOMO. Yeah, don't let the FOMO. Don't let or that anything. hit you. Not yeah, with products I, like this. We have stuff that are for us in Yu Gi Oh. And yeah, thirteen hundred dollars is a lot of money. Spend that carefully, wisely. Not and certainly not on this. So, or at least not on this. If you. Are just like a regular person. Like yeah, it's better be special. Like, Make this count. It reminds me of my old like uh, business classes. You know, uh, are you are you really in the market for this product? To be in the market, you have to be willing and able to buy to buy this thing. You can be willing, but are you really able? And if you're able, are you willing? Now, there's one last little cool product announcement that came out, which is the uh, Mega House figures. Oh they, yeah, these Those are these are cool. Fire. Yeah, we got to end our uh, products on a good note. So um, I want them so bad. Yeah, for those of you guys who don't know, Mega House has been making. I believe that's what they're called. Roughly translated. I think it's Mega House. Mega House yeah, like, they've been making some their Yu-Gi-Oh monster figures. collection, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, they've been making Yu-Gi-Oh figures. They did like 
recently Jinzo, Insect Queen, yep. um, Celtic Guardian, I think. Yeah, I think so. Maybe Buster Blader, some other things. And now they've announced some, and they have, they really surprised me with this. So I know normally people complain because it's always just DM era pandering. DM, 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 DM. But this DM. time they actually went into GX, 5Ds, and even Reigns, and like Zexel with these models. Wait, they which are, ones are from Zexel? Um, they're making, I think there's a Utopia one. Oh, okay. I don't think I saw Yeah, there's a Utopia. Utopia. There's an Access Code Talker yeah, figure. Yeah. And there's a, um, even a, not Firewall Dark Fluid, but the Arrival Cybers at Ignister. I don't even know what that is. Yeah. It, <laughs> Straight up, don't even know what that yeah, monster is. And the is. is most people won't, but like, yeah, they're even making those and they're doing like Ancient Gear Golem. So Arc 5 is getting shafted is what I'm hearing. I don't know if they're doing an Arc 5. Arc 5 got shafted. They might be yeah. doing like Hot Eyes. I don't remember. They not, there's like 12 at least that got announced. Like I, The ones I saw that I'm looking forward to are the GX ones. I was really, I really like seeing Ancient Gear Golem and U-Bell. Yeah, Ancient Gear Golem, U-Bell. I'm going to get Cyber. Oh, and Flame Wingman. Oh, yeah, that one. I want Cyber and Dragon. I really want Cyber. You don't and even like Cyber and Dragon. I like Cyber Dragon's closest I'm gonna get. Like, <laughs> show so. me your deck, and I want to see a Cyber and Dragon in it right now. Uh, if you use one of my sealed Cyber Strike structure deck, wow, deck video things, I can. Wow. Yeah, so those are cool. I think that the pre-orders aren't up yet, though. I think these are just announcements. But there were some pre-orders that went up. I think for. A few others, maybe it's the Charmer ones or something oh, yeah, like that. Yeah, the Charmers. They're making so many different figures of Yu-Gi-Oh things now. Good. Which is great, by the way. Like, I'm not, that's that is not We've a We've gone complaint. too long without figures. But yeah, lots and lots of, uh, of Yu-Gi-Oh figures that you can get. And finally, not just DM ones, so. I think, uh, I used to be kind of against the whole figure collection deal, and collecting deal until, um, I started kind of, uh, I started hitting a certain point with my hobbies where... I was kind of getting tired and I didn't, I was, I didn't really want to collect the hobbies as much as I used to. Like collecting Yu-Gi-Oh is, has been fun, but I don't want to buy and play as much Yu-Gi-Oh as I did when I was younger, but I still want to have something. Something that represents the hobby, right? Yeah. And that that's where figures come in. And now I get it. Now I get it. Now I see why people buy figures for every little thing. And uh, I think these figures are a great um, value pop- proposition for the aging Yu-Gi-Oh player, or even just a Yu-Gi-Oh player who just likes collecting figures already. Yeah, this like might sound a bit maybe cryptic, but I think that if you're the sort of person who has maybe reached that point with Yu-Gi-Oh, or you feel yourself reaching it where you're not like aged out of it, because I don't think there's like an age where you stop, but just you're maybe at a point where you Being can't in the '70s in a nursing home, like yeah, where you can't like play it maybe as much as, much as you want to, or maybe you're a little bit alienated with like what modern Yu-Gi-Oh is, because trust me, that's an easy and it's crazy, but um. You know, these, I think, are a great way to still immortalize your, like, love and relationship with Yu-Gi-Oh! Mm-hmm. And display it, but not have to, like, necessarily keep up with every little thing that's going on. Ancient because, Gear Golem is bad in modern Yu-Gi-Oh! But that figure will always be badass. Exactly. And the thing is, that figure will always be eternal. Like, it, it's it's a thing that you can just own and have and, like, display, and that's really cool. So, not to, like, you know, get too mopey about it, but... I think they're cool for that reason. When I shut my eyes for the final time at the at the twilight I draw of my, my life, last card, <laughs> I would draw my last card and look up at my ancient gear golem figure. And he'll say, "Mechanized melee." <laughs> um, okay, so uh, that's all for products. Now there is some master duel news. Um, the ban list, as we know, got like announced last week, so we talked mm. about that. But something that is sort of new, they released. Some new, um, 
what are they called? like collection packs or whatever they are. Uh, What's a collection pack? I don't know. Just new packs in the game. Oh, selection okay. packs. That's what that's what it is. So this one gave a few new car, a few new cool cards like uh, Blackluster Soldier, the new ritual one. I forget his name. Um, and like the one Red that was Eyes, in Maze of Memories. Yeah, the one that was in Maze of Memories. Okay. And like Red Eyes Soul, um, Obelisk got its support card. Um, like Soul Max or whatever. Breaking Ruin got all those cards. Mm-hmm. So a few new anime cards basically came in it. Um, randomly, MX Saber Invoker got unbanned, and it's at one now. Let's go! So for those TCG, who bring to play it back. Like, I don't know wind ups. Maybe you can mess around with Zodiacs a little bit. MX Saber Invoker is about to be in like every deck. What you mean? Yeah, so it sends a card to grave. That is. It summons one from deck. You're thinking of maybe like. Oh, I'm thinking Lavable Chain. Chain. You're yeah. right. MX Saber Invoker summons one. Still, yeah, summons an extender. Earth Warrior or Beast Warrior from your deck. So. I'm sure that some combo deck might be able to find a little bit of use for it, but the ban list itself is going to be going into oh, effect. On I September. really was thinking of Levolvable Chain. Now I'm sad. No, they're not releasing that. I want Levolvable Chain back. Um, so the main ban list is going to be going into effect as of the time of you guys listening to this tomorrow, September 1st, I believe. Or like night. Oh, of- don't let them know what date we're filming. Oh, yeah, sorry. Sense. We're filming this uh, in the future. It's, yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah. Or, or 2025. Like August 31st night. Sometime, whenever the Master Duel ban list update, I'm not really sure. Um, there's one other thing I was going to say. Oh, yeah, okay. So the card usage stats. This is what always causes the controversy. We know. Everyone plays Ash. Yada, 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 yada. Yeah, so they updated the um, stats on card usage that show up if you have that feature enabled in the game. And um, Maxi and Ash Blossom both increased in use. Maxi went from 91.1% play to 93.8% play. So, even higher. When you think of the sheer amount of games it takes to increase by, like, 2%. Yeah, it's quite a lot. Yeah, I mean. Like a lot more people a huge, still are playing at our Maxi. Ash Blossom went from 85.1% to 88.4%. So, actually jumped even more than Maxi did. I guess as a response to it. I'm not really sure. But the new kid on the block is Kashtira Fenrir, which actually jumped all the way up to the third most played card since its release. Kashtira winning. So Kashtira Fenrir has a 64.5% rate of play. And I totally believe that. That bitch is everywhere on Macedon ranked right now. I hate him. Well, what rarity is it on uh, Macedon? It's a UR. Oh, okay. At least but, it's a you know. Um, yeah, so it's seeing a lot of play, I think, for pretty obvious reasons. Fenrir is a good card, but I think in Master Duel's sort of best-of-one format, it shines even more because it's just so useful going first or second, and you only got to win, like, one game. That's so. true. I mean, in previously, uh, what? I feel like it's a stronger Pankratops, mm-hmm. but Pankratops was a card that you kind of, you had you had in your side deck mostly back, you know, right. in, the, in the TCG. Just for going but second. Fenrir... It's re. It's so much. It's just so solid. It's so much better. Like it's great for it's, going first. It's great for going second. It gets advantage and it can search another copy of itself, and then it punishes your opponent for like interacting with it. This Fenrir might be an example of a uh, non hand trap but monster staple in the main deck. Yeah, which we haven't had a lot of those in in a while. Huh? Uh, and uh, it kind of sucks because it's even better in Castera. <laughs> Ooh, Castera makes it. Misery. So, um, of course, you know, the big thing that everyone's really angry about here is how did Maxi reach 93.8% rate of play and still not be banned? Because I think it's supposed to be that high. 
Yeah, that's that's gonna be like I know not everyone's gonna like to hear this, but that's my answer for now. I'm not saying that like you know it's good or bad, but it seems like if a card reaches ninety three point eight percent, and they still haven't banned it or whatever, done anything to it, they, it must be by design. Like, yeah, they they must mean, just want it because it be cruised by seventy and eighty and ninety. Like, yeah, it just like, cruised yeah, through those other percentages. Now, uh, you know, is that a good thing? Subjective. Quite subjective. Now, one other thing that's worth pointing out is they say, and they don't really, you know, elaborate any more on it than this, that these are based on high-ranked duels, which I've taken to mean, like, diamond and master rank, or maybe platinum, diamond, and master rank. So, I I know that they are not, like, counting unranked duels or something. Yeah, or even just... uh but or like rookie, and rookie and bronze stuff. and all that. Because in those duels, I don't, I don't, I don't know if anyone's ever dropped an, a maxi in me and, and at that level. Yeah, those are usually rank. using like starter decks. Because guys, you know, I don't even play a lot of master duel. So usually when I do play, I have to rank up basically from the bottom again. So I've played through those lower ranks of master duels so many times. <laughs> it's the gut. And I, I feel like I can count on one hand how many times we've been hand trapped at that at that level. Yeah, it, it gets rough. It feels wrong to play hand traps when you're ranking up from like silver. Or just unranked. Like literally yeah. like rookie and all that stuff. It's just I mean, so you know the maxi thing is what it is. Clearly Konami does not see much issue with this thing. So for now we have to deal with it, and uh, like we do with every other card. Yeah, like like with everything else, I'll I will be playing Master Duel either way. I'll just suffer through it. Yeah, God knows he will. So it's something kind of funny actually uh, about that though. About your obsessive playing of Master Duel. Well, that hasn't changed. There's nothing new to report on that front. I I have been very much just playing Master Duel and getting angry and still queuing up again. But um, Paul's gonna go to Worlds next year. We'll see about that part, but um, somebody left a funny comment. They were like, "Yeah, like Paul, you should, you should debate hard leg gaming about Maxi. Who he's the guy who made the he's a guy, he's got this video. You probably haven't seen it, I guess. This is a video he made. I haven't um, seen the channel. Well, hard leg gaming. You know, he made this video where it's like debunking all of the Maxi arguments, like every argument that people have for why Maxi could or couldn't be allowed." Or should be like you know allowed. He debunks them. He is kind of a certified maxi hater, you could say. He yeah, very much many wants other that card banned. And so it's like this really you know well thought out video with a lot of really good reasons for why like maxi is toxic or unhealthy or unbalanced or all these things. And um, you know I find maxi to be fine. It's not the best or the worst thing. It's annoying sometimes, whatever. But um. It's interesting. I've gotten this reputation now, I guess, as like a Maxi defender or like apologist. Herald and defend Maxi. Yeah, so people are like, y'all should debate. And I'm just like, like I know in the modern age of content, maybe that's like fun, right? Like debate. You got to hold it on the same matter as a, as a presidential debate. <laughs> yeah. The, MBT uh, needs to moderate. Oh, wait a minute, guys. We might have something. The Maxi caucus. Um, <laughs> but... I don't know. My main reason why I don't really want to debate anybody about Maxi is because, A, I don't know that either of us are looking to have our minds change out the card. He does not like it. I do not mind it. So I don't know that there's really like, uh, I think the stances maybe don't feel like even there. Because I think what people don't understand about like when I say Maxi is just what it is, is if they ban it, I won't be unhappy. Like if they ban Maxi tomorrow in Master Duel, I'll be unhappy. Like, you know, doesn't matter to me. But like, I'm just saying that. 
it's here. You got to live with it. And then also like uh, that. Yeah. I, don't, I mean, that's really it. I just don't have anything else to say. I think that Maxi's all right. It's it's all right. It doesn't bother me as much as it bothers other people. I've got my own set of cards in Master World that I hate to death, but um, even those, I mean, I'm still going to queue up and play. So, like, listen, I'm in Master Rank at this point. Every, every duel is suffering no matter what happens. But let's like, get back to the question that this person asked. Will you debate hard leg gaming on the on night Maxi. of the next presidential debate? Will that be like what next year? I have no idea. I don't keep up. You know politics. what? If Maxi has not been banned in Masterdoll by next year, I'll consider it. You heard it here. In, in fact, you, heard it. you know you heard what? It. In fact, how many? I don't know how many likes these podcast episodes get. If we get like five thousand likes on this podcast on YouTube, <laughs> that is not happening. I will just. I'll debate him about Maxi. Sure, why not? Right. Make it happen. My personal tell, request: tell Hardleg, tell everybody. Yeah, we'll get MBT to moderate. <laughs> It'll be a whole thing. It'll be great. Um. Yeah. All right. Anyways, that's the Maxi or the Master Duel one in the same news. Oh, now I realize I do know Hartleg's channel. I have seen his videos. Yeah. So, um, five thousand likes. Get that debate. All right. Anyways, um, I'm gonna make five thousand accounts. That is the Master Duel news. I don't think that there's anything else to speak of, and I think that might be all of the Yu-Gi-Oh. I'm trying to think. Has there been any other like? new things i don't know i haven't played Duel links in like two weeks now so now i'm out I'm, I'm out of the loop again yeah well um cool now we can talk about other things yay because we're more than just Yu-Gi-Oh players guys we're surprise, people surprise barely all right uh you got something uh yeah yeah so <clears throat> the impd the Indianapolis, uh, I guess, Metropolitan Police Department recovers $300,000 worth of stolen gaming cards. Gaming cards? This might sound a little bit familiar. Okay. Because the IMPD said Tuesday that they that $300,000 worth of gaming cards stolen at Gen Con were located and recovered. Oh, is this the same cards? Yes, those same oh, okay. cards. So they did recover them. What's the story? So a release said New York State Police arrested assisted in confiscating the cards and they are in the process of being returned to Indianapolis as evidence. It's as evidence because while they have found the alleged perpetrators, they have lawyered up. And so this will now be an actual, an ongoing thing. Yeah. This is going to be an ongoing thing though. They seemingly have been caught. And at this point, it's going to be trying to not go to jail for as long. Yeah. That's interesting. I mean, I remember when they, when this, the Gen Con story dropped. So, uh, Oh, and it was confirmed those were Magic the Gathering cards. Oh. We thought they were Pokemon. Okay, yeah. Well, figures. Magic cards, it seems like if you're going to be swiping sealed product, it's the most expensive sealed product to to get, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, that or, I mean, that or Pokemon. Or Lorcana now. I mean, or Lorcana. Sealed Lorcana goes for a lot. Yeah, actually, so we can talk about that real quick. I don't have, like, a specific story for it. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, Lorcana, you know, has released. I have gotten some packs. However, I was not able to secure starters to starter, starter, starter decks. But I was able to get 12 packs. Our local card shop limited you to buying 12 packs, which, by the way, I think is a, a totally reasonable limitation. I don't want you know people buying like 50 billion boxes. It reminds me of those Pokemon stories from Japan about limiting product. Yeah, so I was able to get 12 packs. I'm pretty excited. I have not opened them because I kind of wanted to wait until I had like starter decks 
first. So, uh, do you have the Star Index? Or? I don't. I wanted to order some online, but then I found out that the Star Index online are like $33. So, so I'm, I, I, so I have, um, a plug who's going to try to get them for me. The plug being Chris, who's going to try to get them at his locals for like 25 bucks each or something. A steal. A steal. <laughs> Maybe they've gone down since then. I don't know. But yeah, I mean, it seems like people are, people are selling their Lorcana sealed for a little bit of a markup, you might say. Yeah, I mean, I've noticed that a lot with the new card games. That first set is just ravenously bought up, and people are trying to hold it. People are trying to flip it. it it's a nightmare. What I don't like is that it's like everyone kind of wants to try to like recreate that. Like, you know, I missed out on LOB back in 2002, yeah. so I better grab Lorcana the first chapter in 2023 and like buy 10 boxes and throw them in my closet so that in 40 years, like, I'll be able to, you know. But there's no guarantee that these newer card games and their products will actually hold that much esteem. I think the card game boom actually happened and it's passed. Oh, okay. Hot take. Yeah. I, I, re- I don't think any new card game has come out in the last 10 years. Yeah, I was going to say 10 years. I don't yeah. think any new card game in the last 10 years is going to have the same level of just, like, Gravity as Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh, Magic the Gathering. Those old sets, they're legendary. They'll they'll always command a high price online. I think it's also like a cultural thing where the perceived um the just sort of perceived value of like trading cards feels different. And mm-hmm. I, I don't mean value just in terms of money, but like there was just something about like you know, Jimmy pulled a Charizard card, or you know what I mean? Yeah, like, like it I was pulled like a, it was, a blue eyes white dragon. Culture has shifted; like it's not the same anymore. And these companies, they can they can force as much nostalgia as they want on shelves today. They can the make as many scarcity. crazy products that cost a thousand dollars they want, but it will not. Those things they're not going to appreciate the same way as those original, as, like, base set Pokemon, as LOB, Yu-Gi-Oh!, whatever the first magic set was. I couldn't tell you what it's called. Yeah, like, I think Alpha Set or whatever it's called. Like, and yeah. no no shade at One Piece, no shade at Shadowverse, no shade yeah. at Digimon. It's interesting because I do like, think... No the, shade at Lorcana. I just the, don't think it's doing The modern right. games have their own value, to be sure. Mm-hmm. In fact, I will say, just to not be, like, strictly complainy, negative, whatever, my hot take of the day would probably be I think the card games released here in the last five years have all been much better than, like, the card games released in, like, early 2000s. Just in terms of mechanics, in terms of, like, playability, they feel like they're doing... Because, like, we're at a period of time where Magic product seems like it's way too expensive, right? Oh, yeah. Like, it's just everything. Magic stuff is all, you know, hiked up in price. There's no MSRP. Card shops are selling, like, starter decks for $100 sometimes. It's crazy. Those are Those are commander decks. Or commander decks or whatever commander masters packs a single pack is like 20 something i wonder what it is now like still close to that i assume maybe it's gone down a little bit and then like Yu-Gi-Oh has got it's like sealed product issue where the prices have all been driven down and no one wants to buy the sealed product so in the meantime it feels like stuff like one piece stuff like lorcana you know um you know digimon are like able to just be more consistent i think new games start are starting in a better place than all of our old games did 
I think they're just building off the experience and the mentalities around card games the that they've been around, around for decades now. Mm-hmm. These car these card games at the start are better than our card games were when they started. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, that, that's a good way to put it. So I think that yeah, some of this newer stuff is doing a good job. Um, there's one other thing that I was going to say about that, but uh, I'm just glad they recovered those cards. You mm-hmm. know, good for them. I think stolen like stealing cards is not not cool. Don't do that, please. I've got a story, though. What you got? This one's about uh, Pokemon TCG and actually just a little bit of Pokemon in general. Um, let me find it. I'm All looking right. at Commander Masters boxes on TCG Player. Oh, what are they going for? 280 to 290 right now. Well, that's a lot lower. I know before they were like 400 or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the, the price trend. Yeah, it was quite, quite high. Which, I mean, it's still high, but... Well, if they're getting it's, even it's any fallen. lower, it's that's fallen. at least a plus. Yeah. Pokemon doubles prize pools for competitive tournaments. Double? So this is actually really big news. I saw, like, right after the podcast last week, I was wishing we kind of could have talked about it then. Well, I'm the, glad because we can talk about it now. The Pokemon World Championships is getting a big increase in its prize pools, with the prize pool doubling in value and the winners receiving a much larger prize. Today, the Pokemon Company, today being, like, this is on August 25th, the Pokemon Company announced some big changes to its regional, international, and world championship tournaments, with the prize pools doubling in size across just about every level of competition. Notably, the prizes for both the VGC, the video games, and the TCG tournaments have received big bumps. The winner of a regional TCG tournament will receive $10,000 for a regional. Now, to contextualize that, my understanding is that Pokemon regionals are closer in size to a YCS. The, okay. They call it regional, but it's not like a Yu-Gi-Oh! regional where it They're might bigger. be a couple hundred people. It's maybe like closer to a thousand or something. But yeah, um, the winner would get $10,000. That's doubled from 5000 And a VGC winner for VGC regional would get $6,000. That was previously $3,000. Um, also, the winners of an international championship TCG tournament will receive $25,000. This was previously ten thousand, so it's more than doubled. Wow! While the winner of the VGC tournament will receive fifteen thousand. That was previously five thousand. So that's outright tripled. And then finally, the winners of the World Championships will receive fifty thousand dollars if they win the TCG Masters tournament, and thirty thousand if they win the VGC Masters tournament. Both of which are double the amount of the twenty twenty three grand prize. Now, that's. Pretty big news to me. That's a lot of that's that's some money. Like, and those are just the first place things. Because like, we it were, still falls down. Like second, third, fourth. Like they still get like, stuff. Because I, I mean, we were at Worlds this year, and can you imagine if like they would have handed like Pauly Aronson a fifty thousand dollar check? Yep, for like winning. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Like that. See, because like we talked a little bit before about how winning the Yu Gi Oh like World Championship doesn't actually change much for a Yu Gi Oh player. You did the most Im- impressive thing a Yu-Gi-Oh player can do, but then you kind of just go back to being a normal Yu-Gi-Oh player afterwards. It's like, but if you get a fifty thousand dollar check, though, yeah, it brings up that conversation again of like, you know, should you go have cash prizes? And I'm going to actually go on record and say I have slightly changed my mind on, I've changed my stance on the whole Yu-Gi-Oh cash prizing thing. Oh, so previously, um, you guys might remember I've said that I think. Um, Yu-Gi-Oh! probably does not need cash prizing because I think it would make for a more aggressive, hostile kind of play environment. Mm -hmm. More cheaters, more theft, um, higher prices for cards. 
I thought that it just was not a great thing. As for why they don't actually do it, I don't know if it's any of those reasons. I, my understanding is something more along the lines of like it's a licensing, Shueisha, Yu-Gi-Oh! agreement, Kazuki Takahashi. This game like, just cannot be played for cash. Simply can't. That's my understanding of it. Don't quote me. Who knows if that's true? But the point is, I used to think that, well, cash prizes aren't like, you know, they don't need to have it. Plus, it gets rid of like entry prizing and that yeah. sort of thing. Or at least in theory, that's what it would do. I don't know if that's exactly how it would play out. I have changed my view on that a bit. Because since I've been, like, thinking so much more lately about, like, this, um, you want to take a journey with me? No, actually, I want to stay right here. Okay, well, we'll take a journey uh, metaphorically, then. I don't like metaphors. Wow, okay, well, the journey is, I think every Yu-Gi-Oh! player kind of has to find, you have to find your path in this game. Your personal destiny? Your personal destiny, yeah. Okay. Like, you have to kind of find, because in this very turbulent time period of Yu-Gi-Oh!, and it's really been lasting for years, if you want to think about it, like, really is, there's a lot of, like, uh, I don't want to call it negativity outright, but, like, you know, there's the product debacle right now. Yeah. There's the modern Yu-Gi-Oh! debacle right now. Mm -hmm. There's, like, the short print stuff. There's dissatisfaction with Konami. There's, like, casual versus competitive. There's... You know, just all ban lists, all these kind of tense things. And, like, everyone's got, like, just these different opinions on it. And it's all an amalgamation. And someone and everybody thinks that they're, like, completely right about every single issue. And, like, I know it would be best for Yu-Gi-Oh! And I know. Well, I'm Konami's on a podcast, failing, so I am right. That's true. You got the mic in front of you. So. Yeah, there's a microphone and camera. So, you know, like, everyone's got, like, these different opinions on it. And, like, there's so much dissatisfaction and all that stuff. I think that it's increasingly important for people to find your own fun in Yu-Gi-Oh and like and really dwell in that and like and when I say that I mean you know if you're going to be a competitive player if you're going to be a casual player whatever it is like you kind of have to find your group find your fun and kind of block everything else out if you want to yeah. be a speed duel player if you want to be like you know you want to play the kitchen table with your friends if you only want to collect the figures and like do nothing else or if, you know, you want to be at the bleeding edge of the meta. All of it's fine, but, like, you kind of have to find your own enjoyment out of Yu-Gi-Oh! Because the unfortunate reality that I've kind of learned this past summer when I went to Worlds is, like, it's not the grandest experience, right? You guys watching at home, if you watch the Worlds live streams, you know kind of got a taste of that. Like, those players were playing in what looked like, you know... Elementary school class, empty elementary school classrooms. But the final stage, and the finals nice. day was like cool. But you know, we're sitting here watching Pokemon get, you know, double or triple prize pool increases, hard cash. It's weird too because like Pokemon's a kid's property. It's seen as like you know, it's like yeah, this it's fun. It's kids more kitty than Yu Gi Oh. But they're winning, you know, in some cases life changing amounts of money for you know like winning regional like like. But how does cash prizing help people find their way to play Yu-Gi-Oh? Oh, yeah, you're right. Okay, so, yeah, to get back on topic about that, I actually think that um, if there was cash prizing in Yu-Gi-Oh, I think that it would, it could help to more firmly divide, I don't know if divide is a good word here, but, like, more firmly define um the the kind of competitive path, the route towards being a competitive player, what that will entail, what that means, what the light at the end of that tunnel looks like. And I also think then that maybe it would mean 
for casual players, like extremely casual players who just want to play for fun, just want to enjoy themselves, that like it might, I'm going to say this and y'all are going to think like, I'm, just hear me out. Please just hear me out. So I think that it might actually help to like, for a casual person, definitively tell you, I do not want to be a part of that world. Mm-hmm. That world being like extreme nitty gritty, you know, like just sweaty, like blood, sweat, tears, iron, steel, like to get these wins, right? right. Optimizing every combo, grinding every matchup, you know, like Paulie Aronson was saying about how he prepared for worlds, like, you know, giving up socializing in some cases to play test, play test, play test, and like traveling and stuff. I think that for those people, it gives them a, re- a more tangible reward in terms of money. Not just some cute little deck box or a prize card you have to sell on your own time. Some sleeves. You know, or some sleeves, but like an actual, you know, like there's money on the line. And for casual players, there would maybe be more respect for it, but like. I think I see what you're getting at. Go go ahead, yeah. You might have better words for this. Right now in Yu-Gi-Oh!, like if you played a TCG, there's essentially, there's some, there's exceptions. There's one path, and that is the advanced format with the current ban list and a current card pool that we use, which is every card that's not banned, essentially. There's only there's one path, and we all pretty much follow it, but we all follow it to different goals. Mm-hmm. Some people are only aiming to compete with their friends. Some people are only aiming to compete at locals. Some people want to go to a YCS every so often. Some people want to go to Worlds. And we're all, but we all have to share this same lane together. And that causes these conflicts where I'm playing against a guy who wants to, you know, practice for the next YCS, but I have my, uh, my red eyes deck and I only came here cause I really just wanted to like play around with my new red eyes cards and have a little bit of fun. Mm-hmm. Me and this YCS hopeful should not be on the same path. If, but if there's prizing, that kind of starts pulling apart the the path a bit because now people there's no, no there will be no more light i'm kind of i'm kind of competitive if you if you're potentially paying for or playing for 50 grand or just some amount of money you're going hard it's there there is now a competitive path like you i'm potentially playing for 50 grand i'm going hard this is and they will play amongst themselves in their own circuit, in their own mm-hmm. lane. And the rest of us know not to get in that way, not to get it, not to get in their way, not to, uh, not to feel beholden to the advanced format. Yeah. And I think this also definitely gets into that whole thing about like, I know it's been a popular topic for the last few years of alternate formats and all of that. I think that everybody kind of knows that the current advanced format of Yu-Gi-Oh is a lot. Whether you're in it or out or like look or outside looking in, it's a lot. You know, long combos, intense things. Like games are pretty complicated. There's a lot to keep up with, and it's mm-hmm. not the most inviting thing. I'm not saying that any of that is like objectively bad. Yeah, there's nothing wrong for the with people it. who are enjoying that. That's good. It's just that I think if we kind of allow that to be the thing where it's like, okay, they can like they can get sweaty, they can grind, right? They can. They don't have like, to feel bad about crushing news. Yeah, they're, they're, we, we can get less of that whole, like, oh, you're a meta sheep. Because you, you wouldn't have, like, these kind of angry, disenfranchised-feeling casuals or Yugi Boomers, whatever you want to call them, you know, complaining about, like, oh, you're all meta sheep. Because the meta sheep are just in, 
they're in the sweaty room. It is, this is labeled the sweaty room. You mm-hmm. go in here if you're sweaty and like you're with the other sweaties and you guys are playing and you're gods at this game and it's great and it's amazing. And for anyone else, they're not, they don't, they don't have to feel like they're having to share that same space because Yu-Gi-Oh! only has advanced format. And like it, you can really see it beginning to fray at the edges where there's just dissatisfaction because there's like casual people who don't like the advanced format. It's too fast or my deck's not good enough. But even you also see competitive people who kind of feel like, why aren't they banning this card or this card or whatever? And then when someone says, well, they don't ban this because maybe somewhat more casual players might like it. It's like, well, I don't care about the casuals. I want like the competitive integrity to be of the utmost importance. Now, before someone gets angry and types this in the comments, I know that also means that there needs to be, like, if they do this and it serves the competitive crowd, they have, like, cash prizes and it maybe gates out more casual people, that still means they have to do something to cater to them. And that would right. ideally be making those alternative formats and doing a better job of marketing and supporting those. So it's definitely, like, a big undertaking. Yeah, it, it's, right? not, it's, not very, it's not a simple fix, right? It's not. But I just wanted to say that it has changed my view on maybe like having cash prizes could help, could help with that issue. We're not saying it definitely will or that Konami should do it. They just could do it and it could help. Yeah, they could do it in in a number of different ways. Mm -hmm. And those ways would have repercussions that could be positive. I word it that carefully because I've noticed actually a lot of people... You know, I make like these Paul Talks videos or we get in this podcast and we start talking. And sometimes people will hear what I say and like kind of get like angry with me or say like, oh, you're being like crazy or you're complaining or being delusional. Most of what I'm saying is like, I, I word it like that on purpose, right? I am not saying that cash money in Yu-Gi-Oh! will make it the perfect game and it'll be good because it will kick all the casual people out and this and th- no. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, you shouldn't have said that. <laughs> yeah, they're going to clip that. No, what I'm saying is that it could be an improvement. And I keep telling you, stop worrying about your wording. They're going to misunderstand you anyway. The people who misunderstand you, they weren't really listening to begin with. That's true, too. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, just something to think about. You guys can let me know what you think about this cash prize thing. And for you Pokemon players listening, enjoy your money. (laughs) Yeah, right. Have fun. I don't know uh, how competitive like Pokemon and stuff gets. I don't know if it's like as sweaty as Yu-Gi-Oh is or whatever, but um, it's certainly nice to see that they're getting an increase in the prize pool because right. it, actually it's sort of funny. Meanwhile, um, Konami, they uh, recently increased the prices of... There's that one YCS like last weekend that got announced, YCS Dortmund. It's like this one YCS and they're going to be charging 45 bucks. Oh, I remember. Yeah, yeah. They increased we might have mentioned the, uh, this last yeah. week. I don't know if we, did we talk about it on the pod? I don't, I don't know remember. if we did, but yeah, like this one YCS, it's like a $45 entry instead of like twenty two fifty or whatever, or whatever that converts to like in euros. But um, people were very upset I, about that. That was in Europe? I thought that was uh, in Virginia. You're cultured. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I, people were very upset about that because uh, the prize pool isn't, like you get 10 packs for now instead of five. So, like, your entry is doubled as well. Oh, but they're Euro packs, so they're not worth as much. They're not worth more. They're better printed, aren't they? <sighs> um, but, you know, the prizing for the event itself is no different. It's mm-hmm. still, like, a Nintendo Switch and prize card or whatever. So, you know, meanwhile, like, you Is it at least an these. OLED Switch? 
I sure hope so. Please, Konami, at least make it an OLED. No, it wouldn't surprise me if it wasn't. <laughs> I mean, that, that's the Yu-Gi-Oh way. Uh, so, yeah, Pokemon gets more prize money. Good for them. Must be nice. All right. Um, you got another story? Uh, this one isn't really a card game story. Oh, okay. But it is a... It's, it, it is a uh, it's a it's a it's like a, it's a strategic game. It's a board oh. game of some type. Uh, this is actually a story that Paul and I had talked about before, but it was before we had the podcast. I'm pretty sure we we would have talked about it here had it happened while we had the podcast. But see, I'm gonna read the headline, Paul, and you can tell me if this rings any bells. Uh, Chess World's anal bead Magnus cheating Carlson. saga quietly comes to an end. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, guys, if you don't, if you uh, didn't hear about this. So some months ago, uh, former world champion Magnus Carlsen uh, had a, con- a, a confrontation with, with Grandmaster Hans Niemann, where pretty abruptly Magnus resigns from a game with Niemann and leaves, L- leaves the tournament. And I, my understanding is he doesn't really do that. And later makes a very a not so cryptic tweet hinting that he believes Neiman was cheating in their set or in their game or whatever you call a chess match, I guess in their chess match. Well, that led to a huge back and forth where another grandmaster at Nakamura was also jumped in there. And then Neiman was suing them and like chess.com for slander because allegedly Neiman had been cheating on games online before. And there was no actual evidence that Neiman had cheated in person. This and the and you might be wondering how anal beads got involved. Yeah, because accusations, right? Yeah, people weren't really sure how Neiman cheated. Some people believe that because Magnus Magnus believes that Neiman or believed that Neiman had cheated. So they're like, well, if Magnus believes that he had to have been doing it. But at these chess tournaments, security is extremely tight, and Neiman couldn't have cheated in any like conventional manner. And so someone on social media floated the idea that maybe he had vibrating anal beads that helped him figure out the like proper play. Proper moves. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, remember, I remember hearing about all of this. Um, I watched like the, um, you know, the mobile mail or whatever on it. I, that's intense. So I guess it got concluded. Yes. So this is, um, this is chess.com, I believe. Chess.com, they jumped in because they they were also being sued by Neiman. It says, Chess.com and Carlson reached a settlement with Neiman, who had sued them and Twitch streamer Hikaru Nakamura for $100 million over what he alleged was a civil conspiracy to defame him. It says, We are pleased to report that we have reached an agreement with Hans Neiman to put our differences behind us and move forward together without further litigation. That's what chess.com said. So as a result, Neiman will once again be allowed to compete on the online chess platform. He had been banned. And Carlson has even agreed to play with him in the future because, if I remember correctly, Neiman and Carlson met up at a different tournament. I think it was on chess.com. And Carlson just refused was, to play. Yeah, he, right? just didn't, he just resigned and didn't play. Hmm. What if, like, I heard, I know one other thing about that. I think that they had like a kind of a big inspection, like a third part. There was a third party yeah, or something that came in. It was a like, huge controversy. They yeah. were look, they were trying to find a way for Neiman to have cheated. Because yeah. if Magnus Carlsen, one of the greatest chess players of this century, if if he says you're cheating, you have to give that a, 
if he if oh he Maybe says someone's cheating, you have to kind of give that a uh, yeah, some shake. like credit. And so they looked into it, and as of right now, there has been absolutely no evidence that Neiman cheated. The only evidence there is that Neiman made a very good move, allegedly against Car- uh, Magnus. I don't know. I'm not even good enough at chess to evaluate what happened that day. I remember what watching are they videos. Are they and stuff? Like grandmasters or whatever. Yeah, grandmasters, okay. the very best chess players in the world. Cool. They are thinking on in dimensions of chess that I haven't even conceived. A billion steps ahead. But well, uh, I, don't know, I just thought it was an interesting no, story. No, Yu Gi Oh strategic, chess is strategic. I uh, mean, I wonder if like a Yu Gi Oh controversy could ever get that deep. Deep, but not like big, right? Yeah, I don't think it would ever be like um, super mainstream. Do you but... think a Yu-Gi-Oh player would insert anal beads into themselves and so that someone can remotely, <laughs> I guess, Morse code plays to them? I don't know if I want to answer that. Because <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, I have, it does make me think. I mean, I've seen some like, seen slash like heard of some really like weird sort of cheating scandals and stuff in Yu-Gi-Oh. So, I mean, like. While I don't know the anal beads are or aren't on the table, I have heard about other things. Yeah, they wouldn't be in the, on the table. They'd be in the... Yeah, they, they wouldn't be on the table, huh? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know, like, with Yu-Gi-Oh, though, there's already controversy around, like, even just, like, remote duel, like, kind of witch hunts and oh, stuff. Oh, witch hunts? They, boy, they'd be cheating in remote duels. Yeah, that's what they say. I mean, I know Konami changed... Uh, they changed the policy around, like, reporting cheating. So you are no longer allowed to, like... Um, like report, like like cl- just make a claim that a person is cheating or something like that. Someone don't quote me, but I just know yeah. that like that's the general policy change that they have. It was I think meant to cut down on like just people it's just said like you cheated and like witch hunt, right? Right. And especially if somebody like with a larger platform says that like some random person was cheating. I feel or, you know. like uh, it should go similar to the um, like challenge system and like NFL and like the NBA if. You believe your opponent's cheating, and you call a judge over to verify had they been cheating or not. I think there should be a penalty if the judge says, no, he wasn't cheating. I don't know, though, because, I mean, like, I think the, the penalty should only—I would say, like, this is not like Yu-Gi-Oh, just kind of in general. To simply think that maybe they are cheating and ask a judge—I think that is, like, an innocent thing. Like, the first, like if there's something like that happens, that's fine— because if they aren't cheating and there's no like hard feelings and you weren't like angry at them and you're just like, oh, I'm I'm just questioning something, you should be like encouraged to just sort of like ask questions or sort of but verify isn't that things. what Konami's trying to cut down on is all the asking questions? Well, what they're trying to cut down on, I think, is like the like accusations after the fact. Oh, where, after yeah, we're like kind of right after a regional or YCS, people will like get on certain Facebook groups or something. And maybe say, you know, like, it, this player cheat like, he sharked here and, like, he stacked me here. And then now on, you know, on these Facebook groups or Discord servers or Reddit or Twitter or whatever, now, like, people are taking sides and, like, you know, all this stuff. And I think they're trying to cut down on that. I think that, like, within the tournament at the judge table, you're totally within your right to, like, call a judge over and just Can ask Can you retroactively, like, I don't, I'm not understanding Apparently this Apparently you used to be able to. How would you prove anything? Like, after the tournament's over? Great question. Don't know. Don't know. I, I'm. I mean, this is just stuff that I've, like... 
I really just keep my mouth shut about this stuff because like, I don't really know. Like, I just I see people on, on the internet argue, always arguing over like, that sort of thing. They argue about everything on the internet, even conspiracy theories. Yeah, so I mean, like, like anal beads. Yeah, like anal. So I mean, from the stuff that I've heard, maybe an anal bead Yu-Gi-Oh conspiracy is on the way. Yeah, well, we were just talking about a potential cash prize of like fifty grand. Yeah, there might be more anal. Beads At that than- point, you know, someone might be like, "Look, bro, just just lube them up first. I don't know." Yeah, yeah. As long as, as long, hey, anything to get the dub, right? No, 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 no. We don't no, believe in that. I, I we don't condone would, yeah, cheating. No, we I wouldn't cheat. I would not uh, cheat, but also, I, I certainly would not cheat when they. Yeah, Konami, please don't ban us. Though to be fair, I don't really play in many big events anyway. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that's all the stories I had. Yeah, I mean that that was all I had. Yeah, that's too. all. Okay. <laughs> cool. Time to uh, let's talk to the pod. Do some pod. I'm gonna right. pull some questions. Two Got cards one. each. Duelists. Oh, okay. This is a simple one. Okay. So, Paul, what is your favorite bad archetype? Everyone I play. Um, Paul does specifically try and play bad decks. I'm a masochist. Oh, you've been playing one specifically lately that I just did not think you would find any success. Are you talking about dogmatic or are you talking about generator? You know which one I'm talking about. It Uh, could actually be either one. Between those two decks, which one's worse? You know, I don't know. Wow. (laughs) um, Okay. So I haven't played Generator lately on Master Duel. It sucks. Don't use it. <laughs> However, I have fun with it. And like, to its credit, it can do a few cute things. Mm-hmm. I'm in Master Rank. And like, I'm just, I'm literally getting my ass beat with this deck. Like, but then sometimes I randomly win. With like, sometimes the, with I the like, sometimes gen- in like these generators, like, they, I'm just beating like Labyrinth and like these branded decks and stuff. They have no business like doing really that. really weird. I feel like this deck has no business doing that well. But I do have a thing in Yu-Gi-Oh! where I like to play decks that kind of are a little, not like handicapped, but just have like an alternate or just like a weird win con. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I've gotten, I'm so like, I'm so big on like, I don't want to play a deck where I just end on Barone and Opelosa. Yeah, like I, I want that. my end, like my favorite thing about playing Dogmatica is that I get to end on their ritual monsters. Like that, that's all that's important to me. So yeah, either of those decks would be like two pretty awful decks I've used. I think if, you, if we're talking like just truly bottom of the barrel, I tried to build an S Force deck and I tried Ooh, to build a Majestus deck, and those are actually bad. Yeah, when Paul won't even play them, you know they're they're truly yeah. hard. And, and I've got patience for bad decks, but th- those anyway. What, what's yours? Uh, so I don't really play bad decks. Um, <laughs> I don't. Okay. The decks that I play, I think they're all rogue at best. Um, I mean, it's like what I I play I play Neos I play Ninjas I play uh, I play Plunder Patrol I'll even play, I play Spriggans which is most was kind of like a branded Spriggans thing at this point. Anyway, I don't know if I call any of those decks bad. I think a lot of them were bad when you started using them, and then they yeah they got they've got better. Um, and I, I have two more decks on the horizon. Uh, I want to build in like an Evil Tile deck, and I want to build a um. A Batland Boxer deck. One of those decks might truly be bad. I know Batland Boxers and they and Evil Tile were bad. Yeah, now but they're like all right. They might be just okay at this point. Um, so if but if I had to give it to a truly just bad archetype that I enjoy, maybe like Amazonas. I remember when you played Dream Mirror. 
I just didn't like Dream Mirror. Although they're they're a lot better now. Because like, if I enjoyed Dream Mirror, it'd be different. But I didn't. But I actually do enjoy playing the Amazonas deck, and I think that would be considered bad. Like I don't. True. They're not winning much. (laughs) True. Well, my question is: Should Yu-Gi-Oh have a special summon? Oh wait, wait! I just changed it. It's now uh, Fire Fist because even though I hate them now, I still like Panda. So my question is, should Yu-Gi-Oh have a special summon limit? This is kind of the age-old yeah, kind of question. All right, well, uh, I think that our answers have probably not really changed in this regard. It probably wouldn't really work out. But but there is a new development that I found out about last week that somewhat might like, be of note of interest. Konami said something? So Konami actually in 2015, oh. little did I know, did try out or experiment with a format called Beta Format. Laugh all you want, but that's what it was called. It was called beta format. And um, the way that it worked was that a player did have a summon limit. You were allowed one normal summoner set, one special summon from the extra deck, and then one special summon otherwise. That could be from hand, deck, grave, banish. So essentially you get two special summons, just one has to be from the extra deck. Yeah, so sort of specific places. So it was sort of a summon limit in Yu-Gi-Oh. They actually tried this in 2015 at like a YCS Chicago or something. There were some YCSs in Europe that used it. Um, it was not a very popular format, and they like stopped it less than a year later. I but, can see that having been implemented in 2015 because that's Xyz format and well, it was like Pendulum at that point. Was 2015 Pendulum? Yeah, Pendulums came in 2014. Oh, okay. So. Gave my years. But I mean, P- but Xyz were still pretty big back then. So, you know, that was what it was. Any thought? Do you think that could be like a, a fun thing? Or I mean, I would have to try it. I'd have to try it. I gotta know which of my decks could work in a format like that. My knee jerk, ninjas. What about then your opponent's turn? How many summons do you I get? I think there's still three. Like ah, okay. So it. So I thought that this could actually be a really cool format. I played ninjas. I, I posted it online. I was like, hey, here's these like old rules. Can I apparently try this? What do you, what do people think? People are all like. What the hell, Paul? You dumbass! This would be terrible. So <laughs> that was that was the general response on like Facebook and Twitter and stuff. So I thought this could be kind of neat, but apparently people don't think so. Now, uh, without going into too much detail, I'll say that I think that there's like promise and potential here. Obviously, it would probably develop its own sort of metagame and might even need its own specific ban list. Yeah, different archetypes would flourish under that rule set. But the thing is, so. Uh, my first point, like my argument for maybe giving it a shot again, if Konami ever wanted to, is that people were like, this would be like unfair because some archetypes like can't function under those rules and some will be buffed and some will be nerfed. And I was like, well, yeah, that's kind of the point of like an alternate format is that some decks will be stronger in this format and some mm-hmm. will be weaker. So if the goal is simply to have an alternative way to play relative to just the advanced format, then yeah, it's going to look a little different. The second thing that people said was that, well, stun decks and trap decks will just be OP, and that'll be the end of it, right? Like, you'll just be able to play your, like, Inspector Border, Fossil Dyna, Guru Control, you know, whatever, Eldritch, just set all your traps and, and never do it, never well, care about I think else. about it, wouldn't decks like that have less value? Since a lot of trap decks, you know, they're overtuned for stopping these heavy combo decks. Mm-hmm. But if this format is literally, like, putting a hard stop to just combos then some of what trap decks do will be unnecessary it's funny you mentioned that that's exactly how i feel about it too i also thought that if those decks were to become the best decks let's say as everybody assumed 
Well, then you start playing spell and trap removal in the main deck, right? Like it would be a there would be a meta game that would mm-hmm. happen, and then you would adapt. Oh, to we it. run less extenders too because because you'd be with combos less- being stopped. There's no point in running that many extenders. Isn't it crazy how when you stop and think about it for just more than about a split second reaction, you realize that hey, you can replace some of the extenders in these decks with removal cards instead mm-hmm. for dealing with back row. And if people, you know, if you think the trap decks are going to be the best thing, but now everyone's main decking lightning storms and evenlies or even twin twisters and all the and heavy storm duster is suddenly a really good card because it's a chainable plus one and games go a lot longer and like losing that battle phase doesn't mean as much and traps can be more viable as like a general form of removal, then maybe there could actually be a whole conversation to be had here. Maybe. Nah, I can see that. nah, the trap decks would just be busted, huh? <laughs> Yeah, so I, I think that a format like that, there's potential. It's a thing that Konami tried. Maybe they should try it again. Or maybe it would be a shit show. Who knows? All right. I have my next question. Okay, this is going to take some effort. Uh, it says, what is my favorite part of you, the Yu-Gi-Oh! TCG? And then what's my least favorite part? Okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. Oh, my gosh. Right. I feel like there's too many questions, answers to this question. Okay. So it's our favorite part of the TCG and, then least, and favorite. least favorite part. So my favorite part of the TCG is that any archetype or deck that I like can still receive support okay. at almost at any time. So there's always interest in new products because anything can happen. Mm-hmm. And then I think my least favorite part is how I don't feel that I have a format to play those decks in. In the TCG. <laughs> what you got, Paul? Favorite and least favorite? I'm just trying not to talk too much. Um, <laughs> Paul's okay. trying to avoid a rant. My favorite part about the Yu-Gi-Oh! TCG is that despite all of the stuff, it's pretty fun. It's actually really fun. Like I do like playing Yu-Gi-Oh! to this day. I still enjoy it. I still like using a lot of different decks. I think that when the game is just playing out, Yu-Gi-Oh's got really fun rules. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, like, while it's changed and morphed and stuff, I do still fundamentally find that Yu-Gi-Oh is a fun game to play. There are other games that I've played where I'm just not as engaged with them, and they just don't keep my interest, and Yu-Gi-Oh still does. So I do think Yu-Gi-Oh as a game is fun. I think its rules are fun. I think its card interactions are fun. It's fun to kind of, like, tango with the opponent. My least favorite thing. Here it comes. Well, I'm trying to limit it to one. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm trying to limit it to one. My least favorite thing is uh, the vortex. Lightning vortex. I love lightning vortex. Um, is it's kind of it's just the the fact that sometimes it feels like with Yu Gi Oh there is the end game is unclear. And it feels like there's not, like, much of a, like, beginner kind of onboarding element. It's That's just two things. It's Well, no, it's, it's, like, one thing is the vortex in the middle is what I don't like. Because I feel like what we were talking about earlier, see the earlier part in the podcast, I'm not going to go over it again. I'm, I'm not going to rant, I promise, is just the kind of, the, the general, like, just dissatisfaction and feel, and feeling that, we, we just need something more. Mm-hmm. Whether that's another format, whether that's like, a, you know, some people say a reboot, it feels like there's just like this tension from all sides, but we can never quite like land on what it is that like this game needs. 
It sounds like your least favorite part about Yu-Gi-Oh! TCG is being a Yu-Gi-Oh! TCG player. All right, well, next question. <laughs> um, We've answered this. What is it? I don't know. Can the OCG and the TCG merge? Oh, yeah, we definitely answered that. I'm, I'm, Sometimes we get redundant questions, yeah, and I don't always remember. Logistically, no, just to quickly answer that. I'd love it, but logistically, no. Okay, actual question. Low-tier decks need in-archetype hand traps. That's uh, so like a hot take. Yeah, okay. Uh, what do you think? In-archetype? You know what's crazy? Hmm. Like, it's almost a good idea. Like, there's, there's okay. like a little bit something I think it needs. Okay. Because, you know, archetypes only get so many cards of support in a set, and to then dedicate one of those slots to a, a quote-unquote hand trap where it's no longer like working towards the deck's like win condition, that might, I think that overall actually might make like the archetype, you know, not as good. So, I think that's a pretty good idea. There's having an archetype hand traps. It all depends on how they're designed and how much like flavor they can keep within the rest of an archetype. I think an in archetype hand trap should accomplish two things. I think that it should be. It should fulfill the role of like a hand trap where it can maybe stop something, something, protect your monster, kind of disrupt your opponent, whatever, from your hand, you know, while you control a monster of said archetype or something on the field, right? But it also should still serve the archetype in another way of some kind. Like if it hits the grave, it does the thing that the archetype needs it to do. Yeah. So I think that you could have a lot of fun with that because then people wouldn't have to feel like they have to play, you know... Ash and Droll and Valor and Nibiru and Imperm and all that and all of their decks or Maxi if you're playing Master Duel or whatever. Mm-hmm. Because you can play your in-archetype hand traps and they could kind of offer slightly different things. Oh, like, man. Ponta Patrol would love that. They don't even need it to, like, do much. Oh, like just, uh, change their opponent's monster attribute maybe. and then, just uh, Man, barely that. Just give it a, just give it a Ponta Patrol-esque effect of when it has an effect when it goes to Grave. I mean, I was thinking, like, ninjas could have a hand trap that's like a... Pitch Book of Moon. I'm surprised I haven't made a hand trap like that. To begin Just flip with. it down. Or, you know, and so it still needs to, like, syn- synchronize with the archetype. Someone in Konami R&D is screaming right now because they're, design- they're designing, like, a uh, a ghost girl who flips your opponent's monster's face down. And they're like, how did he know? How did he know? Shit. I'm surprised it hasn't been a hand trap. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think, like, in archetype hand traps could be cool. There was something that somebody was saying in a comment before that's sort of related to this. It reminded me about it. Might be the same person. Um, is, you know, more archetypes need just their own kind of built-in removal card that can sort of double as something else for their archetype. Mm. So do you know the card Sprite Smashers? Yeah. I think it's a really good example of one. It's a quick play spell, so it's very versatile. It's a negative one, like, in card advantage. Like, right. it can be more than that. But you have to, like, you know, banish something to even use it. And then, like, it lets you, say, like, banish a level two and then one of your opponent's cards. It doesn't target, so it's kind of nice. It's, like, it's a versatile removal card that can fulfill a lot of sort of different roles for the deck. Mm-hmm. And then and this person was saying that more archetypes need that sort of thing where it could allow them to deal with troublesome back row, floodgates, that sort of thing. While also maybe advancing their strategy if it needs to, but not being me. so strong that it's like just a, a Mary Sue. Odd Eyes uh, Spiral Flame Strike card, mm-hmm. where it can search for an Odd Eyes, but if you have an Odd Eyes on board, it can target and destroy something. Right. Because I think those sort of double use cards can be really fun. I think of like, what was that one card? Like, 
Frozen Rose or something? I don't Black remember Rose what it cards. does. I remember I can see it in my head, but, but I don't remember what it does. Yeah, like just any of those cards that are kind of their quick play spells usually, and like they can kind of fulfill two roles. I think that would be fun. I mean, I think that it just helps to keep archetypes <clears throat> feeling flavorful. And by flavorful, I mean like it still is like in the archetype. It's not something that like but it also has gets, utility, just general utility. good utility. And if that has to take the form of a hand trap, I wouldn't mind. We're all, we're a game full of them. I mean, they're not going away. So, good question, or rather, prompt. I, I agree with it. Low tier decks getting specifically, they do say low tier decks, and I agree. I think it's probably better that low tier decks get these before like. But you know, a high tier deck does. Get that first. I so. mean, <laughs> what's interesting these days is half the high tier decks like do have their own like hand traps. Brandon's got Mercurier. Oh yeah, Mercurier. You know, like tier elements have. I don't know. elements. <laughs> they they are basically the are hand traps. Um, so, you know, bestials are hand traps. So, yeah, good take. I'm with it. W take, King. Yeah. Common, insert your username here, W. <laughs> All right. But those are our uh, two questions each, right? Yeah, that's two each. So, guys, I think that brings the pod to a close. And shout out to the camera. You stayed on. Yeah, this camera, we turn it off sometimes. Um, yeah, cool. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Uh, this was a really fun one. Make yeah. sure that you leave your comments on any of the questions or topics or things that we thought up today. Uh, be sure, of course, to subscribe to APS Amplifier. And uh, we'll see you guys next week.